We are now up to seven coaching casualties this year, and it's probably going to be eight because podcasting always screws with us. Um, but the magic number to beat is 11 for those of you who are wondering. And uh, this recent coaching change, arguably the most surprising, both from a decision-making standpoint and from a replacement standpoint, the Vegas Golden Knights cutting ties with Gerard Gallant and hiring Peter DeBoer, the guy they learned to hate when he was coaching the San Jose Sharks. He was fired just 34 days prior to this decision. Will the Knights rue the day they made this decision? And what does Pierre DeBoer bring to this hockey club? Episode 202 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. What shocks you more, Brett, the fact that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights fired Gerard Gallant and hired Peter DeBoer, who, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Vegas learned not to like for the past two and a half years of their existence, or the fact that they fired a coach before they named their first ever captain? Um, actually, that is a good question. Um, I was not expecting that question. Um, I would say, um, yeah, I think probably that they fired them before um, the uh, before they named their first captain. I had forgotten about that. Um, yeah. Because I wonder like, how many times. Let us know in the comments. How many times has that happened in NHL history? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's a first, but it probably hasn't happened often. Yeah, I would imagine not, especially since considering Vegas's history and whatnot. But yeah, um, but yeah, no, it was definitely pretty shocking. I mean, the only reason why I chose that they haven't picked their captain yet um, was because Pete DeBoer. He was the best coach on the market at this point. Maybe Peter Laviolette, but um, I think DeBoer is a better coach than Laviolette. So um, so I think that's why it's less shocking. But yeah, I had forgotten about the captaincy thing. Um, yeah, and, and it was definitely shocking. The most shocking coach firing um, this season. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to admit this, but um, I haven't paid attention too much to hockey as much as I usually do in the past and I had assumed that Vegas was in first place in their division and then I turned it like and then when I I think uh, a friend from my fantasy hockey league had mentioned this um, that like you know had announced the news to us um, in the chat and they were saying like yeah Vegas fires Gallant and I'm like wait Vegas I thought Vegas was in first place why do they fire their coach and then I turned to find out, or uh, a couple of people have told me that Vegas, um, you know, had been on a bit of a slide uh, for like they had lost four straight, um, and then they yep. they had a wild card spot, and they still have a wild card spot, but that put them down to a wild card spot, and so now uh, they're tied with uh, the Oilers and the Flames. Um, and the Canucks have um, are in first place in the division. Oh, and also the Coyotes. They all so 
The Oilers, the Flames, and the Golden Knights, oh, and the Coyotes all have 57 points. Canucks have 58 points. So it's very close. So that's, it is definitely shocking. But the thing yeah, is. Yeah, and if you, if you yeah. take a look at the firing, like Vegas is only a couple points out of first place in the division. Um, if if you give them an extra three points, they go from 17th overall in the NHL standings to eighth. Yeah. Which just goes to show you how freaking stacked everything is and like how the balance of power is just like evenly spread out, especially in the Pacific division where, you know, you could be on top of the world one day like Vegas was uh, when the all-star game rosters were announced. And then nine days later, they're all the way down to fifth. Um, And prior to that four game slide, they were 15, six and three. So they were in a nice little group with Gerard Gallant, but you know, the fact that they're in, in the mix still, and they felt they still needed to make this coaching changes is probably what caught everybody off guard. Not the fact that they were like battling for a wild card spot, like the fact that they're in the race and they have arguably a one, a top line and a one B top line because patches and stone have been killing it this year. The fact that they have all of this talent and sustained success under Gerard Gallant, um, I think a lot of people were caught off guard by this decision. For Us sure. Included. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, I mean, the other thing that's kind of interesting, too, is of all the other coach firings, um, you know, the, the you know the big the biggest issue was that their goaltending wasn't up to par, and yeah. in this case. Um, yeah, I guess Flurry has had a couple bad games. Same with Malcolm Subban, but they're seventeenth in the league in terms of um, goals against uh, goals against per game. Oh, sorry, fifteenth in the league in goals against. So they're um, pretty much like in the middle there, um, with with all things considered. So that's like another interesting piece to it, and it's. Um, and it's also, I mean, like, I can understand that they went through, like, a four-game losing streak, but they're still in it. Um, and it's just a little bit interesting in terms of that because uh, not just that Gallant gets fired and this is their the first coach hi- uh, firing um, of all time, or, you know, the first coach firing, but um, also, like, Peter DeBoer was the guy who took the uh, Vegas Golden Knights out of the playoffs last year. Um, And that's not, you know, and they have a kind of like a rivalry going. And I'm not necessarily sure if Peter DeBoer is a better coach than Gerard Gallant um, as well. Um, And there's other things to consider as well, that the fact that Gallant took the Vegas Golden Knights to their first Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, which is something that will probably never be done. I mean, maybe Seattle will do it, but um, it'll probably be something that won't be done. Um, There's also the factor of, like, you know, this is probably the first time, you know, they made the playoffs the next year as well. And also there's the factor that this is probably their first time that they've actually slid, um, which is a four-game losing streak, which isn't even that bad. You know, like teams like the Sabres and the Oilers, would kill for just a four-game losing streak instead of, like, a 15-game losing streak. Um, yeah, like, Montreal has had yeah. eight... Uh, uh, sorry, Montreal has had two eight-game slides, and yeah. they haven't fired their coach. And so, having said all that, like, Gerard Gallant should have the right to at least, you know, 
pick up the pieces. Like, yeah, obviously a four-game losing streak isn't great, but there is something to the fact that, like, he should have that leeway to right the ship when things are down because that's what a good coach is supposed to do. So, um, so I would have given him a little bit more of a chance. It's also a little bit interesting considering that uh, Gallant got fired his last position on the Florida Panthers by, you know, he, uh, he wasn't even allowed to take the team plane back out. He like, he just had to take a cab back home. Um, so at least it's not that as we know of, but it does make things a little bit strange because it's like, why did they even make this decision when I feel like Glant deserved the right to at least right this ship? Yeah, and on top of that, uh, you replace him with a guy that yep. you, you go from a guy that has a lot of respect and admiration from his players to a guy that you're basically uh, were shouting at to during a heated playoff series, yeah. uh, two of them, in fact, with San Jose. And you go from despising that guy and the team that he coached and, and, and now you have to socialize with him. Like Ryan Reeves in particular, um, as, as had a couple of instances where he was, uh, found, uh, yelling at, uh, Deborah during a hockey game right. as well. And, and, and that's, a, oh, and I was going to mention, it just makes for an awkward situation, you know? Yeah, for sure. I also, uh, during that playoffs last year, um, I think, was it Gerard Gallant that called Deborah a clown or was it the other way yep. around? Yeah, he called, he called, called Deborah a clown and now yeah. Deborah took his job. So, ima- yeah, no, I was about to say, like, imagine that. You you have, you probably have probably one of the safest jobs in all of hockey just because, you know, you, you've done something that you, you deserve a little bit of some leeway or you should have deserved a little bit of a leeway. And then you actually get fired and the guy that replaces you is the guy that you just called a clown like about a year ago. So it's, uh, it's, uh, I guess it's funny how time, how time works like that. But, um, and I think there is, I mean, if we want to get into this, um, so the first question we have here is why do you think Gallant was fired? And was it warranted? I think we are both in agreement that it wasn't warranted. But uh, there is, we can talk about the reasons why we think Glant was fired. Um, because if you remember, in the summer, uh, T- G- George McPhee, I think this was last, was this last summer? Yeah, I think it was last summer. Um, George McPhee stepped down, and then in comes the assistant GM, who I'm blanking right now. Kelly McCrimmon, who is now um, the current GM. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the general consensus around the NHL circles there was that uh, George McPhee is still in charge, but McCrimmon's going to take over. But it turns out that this move may have just been something where McCrimmon felt like Glance not the, his guy. And instead, so now he wanted like an excuse uh, to fire Gallant whenever, and this was the first time where Gallant um, lost his, you know, like the first sign of that losing streak where you're like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to get my guy that I want. And who knows if any team was going to hire Pete Tabor um, instead um, afterwards. So, um, yeah, I think there is something to that. I think there's also, it's, it seems like the NHL is like a copycat league 
um, where, um, and I feel like, um, like for instance, um, back in like 2011 when the Bruins won, I felt like all these other teams were trying to get tougher and get enforcers a la the Calgary Flames and the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and they felt so they went off and got enforcers but you could say the same thing for what teams are doing now where like because the Blues fired their coach um, and then they went on to win around this time and they went on to win the Stanley Cup the uh, Penguins uh, fired their coach um, and Mike Sullivan was able to get their you know get them to the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions You'd say the same for like Bruce Cassidy. I think there's other examples of of this. Um, so I think it's like a trendy thing where like basically a third of the league has fired their coach in hopes that they can be the next St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just the trend they're trying to follow. Well, yeah, like you take a look at Joel Quenville, who was hired by the Panthers this summer, right? Yeah. At the time of Gerard Gallant getting dismissed by the Vegas Golden Knights. He had coached 45 games for the Florida Panthers. That makes him the 18th longest tenured coach right now. Yeah. And he just started coaching the team in October. Right. Like, that just goes to show you how how the coaching scene um, has changed. Um, I think uh, Galant's, like, I think the 16th head coach to lose his job in the last 18 months. Uh, Something like that. 16, 17, 18, somewhere around those lines. A ridiculous yeah. uh, amount of coaching changes either way. Um, if you take a look at what Gerard Gallant has done with the Vegas Golden Knights, like he enters 2017-18 with an expansion team roster and you're not trying to prove much of anything against the league's best right from the get-go you're just trying to keep up with the pack and in the first season of this organization's existence they get not just 40 wins they get over 50 wins without max patch ready without mark stone without paul stastny they get 40 plus goals from william carlson who didn't even have 40 nhl goals when he began his first year with the team him riley smith and jonathan marchesto emerge as the number one lane mark andre Fleury, after losing his job to matt murray in pittsburgh has a monster season they get 30 to 40 points from colin miller on the back end um everyone's talking about david braun and him going to the all-star game and being a point per game player the past three years those years of promise for david braun didn't start in his third stint with the blues it started in his first and only year with vegas when he was a top six forward for them um just when you think all that regular season success isn't enough vegas goes to the playoffs sweeps the kings dispatches pierre de Boer's san jose sharks uh shuts down winnipeg's offense and then take game one of the finals against washington and prior to that four game slide that eventually cost them the stanley cup they didn't lose four straight all year. That's how good the Vegas Golden Knights were. And then you take a look at year two. They regress a little bit. They still win 40-plus games. Um, maybe if you take away that five-minute major, they advanced to round two, and who knows what they do from there. Um, and then uh, 
even in year three, still in uh, the division hunt at the time of uh, Galant's dismissal. And in the second half of year two, they developed that uh, Stone and Pacioretty tandem that has continued to light it up this year. So it's it's kind of tough to justify, given what Vegas has done in their short time in the league, why they would give Ger- Gerard Gallant the boot. And I think it's something... I think I think it's a couple of things. First of all, it's it's um, I think there are some uh, consistency issues. Um, for example, last year I believe uh, it was Vegas who went three nine and one towards um, the latter half of the season, and um, I I have it in my notes here. Uh, okay, here it is. During a three nine and one stretch late last season, an insider close to the Golden Knights organization said that Gerard Gallant and George McPhee avoided one another as tension began, and the relationship began to fall out. Vegas followed that with a ten and one run from February twenty sixth to March twenty first. Uh, at the start of that, injuries kind of hurt them. They started off slow. And it, to start off this year, they didn't start off great. Um, then they went 15-6-3. and three. Then they lost four in a row, which led to the last dismissal. So the inconsistency um, kind of hurt them a little bit. Yeah. Um, before that four-game slide, they had to resort to a couple of massive comeback wins. They had given up the first goal in six straight before that Buffalo game, which turned out to be Galant's last with the team. Um, so they, up until that point in 2020, they hadn't scored the first goal at all. And throughout that Buffalo game in the first period, for the first five minutes, they were stuck in their end a whole lot. Um Buffalo, I think, had like seven high danger chances in that period alone. Um, Flurry had to stand tall and and be big for his team. And for a team that really thrived on their speed early on, that really went after teams, that was kind of uncharacteristic for for our Gallant. Um, And when Kelly McCrimmon was asked, you know, why did you make this decision? He struggled to really pinpoint an accurate event or timeline that really forced them to make this decision but it was something that they've been tossing around for a little while now so it it, it kind of makes you wonder what the full story to this is but when you consider what happened in florida behind the scenes how gallant apparently had kind of like philosophical differences with whether yeah. there was the front office or the owner didn't like him whatever it was um i think it was more the same where Gerard has his way and maybe the ownership doesn't always see eye to eye or the front office doesn't see eye to eye with them. Yeah. Um, that's the only reason that I can point to, and I can't confirm that, but that's the only reason I can point to as to why he was fired at this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think, I mean, as I just mentioned, I think there is something to the fact that McCrimmon is different than uh, George McPhee. Um, and McCrimmon just wants his own guy. Um, and I guess there is that aspect of the advanced statistics stuff, but we'll see. I don't know. I think there was something that came out with, um, I forget if it was the Predators or the Devils or something, but 
a lot of I think one team was blaming the um, the old guard because or like and the coach who got fired did not like the advanced statistics or was not willing to do that and I guess the advanced statistics people ended up winning because the coach got fired but I forget which team it was there's there's been so many um, also a little bit of a fun fact here um, three coaches have been fired after losing to the Sabres um, Gerard Gallant uh, John Hines and Peter Laviolette <laughs> that's yeah oh I thought you were going to say something but that's I know um, I, I another I found um, in the last four Stanley Cup finals yep. the coach of the runner up has been fired it was Laviolette 2016 um, Gerard Gallant just now with Vegas that was 2018 um, sorry, if I said Laviolette in 2016, I meant 2017. I was about in 2016, say, it was the guy that Vegas just hired, Peter DeBoer, when the Sharks uh, lost to Pittsburgh. Well, P- oh, right, okay. I was going to say, Peter, I forgot Peter DeBoer was fired. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and I guess also I, I've just been reading here that I guess Bill Peters play like his last game was also against the Sabres but uh the the Flames won against the Sabres that night um in a shootout so oh, yeah he was, he was he was technically still employed with the team but yeah. he wasn't buying the bench Jeff Ward was yeah but, so technically yeah, if, if you if you want to if you want to include that then okay make it four but yeah, no, I, I don't think that Apparently, counts you you heard your first the Sabres are coach killers but Basically. you could argue that that Marc Andre Fleury save against yeah, that's Toronto true. Started, started all this, this whole thing. chain reaction in the first place for sure. Um, yeah, well, at least the the a Babcock firing. Um, yeah. All right, so I think we talked about if it was warranted because that's what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. So I'll skip that yeah. question. Um, how will DeBoer do in Vegas? Well, that's a pretty good question because um, what Gerard Gallant was able to do with Vegas is is pretty impressive, um, and if you take a look at DeBoer's resume, um, years one, two, three, and four with San Jose, he won forty plus games with that team. Uh, in his first year with the Devils and in his first year with the Sharks, he he uh, took those, both of those teams to the Cup Finals and. Um, those teams averaged around 2.5 goals against per game. Um, so there's a lot of potential there for uh, DeBoer to find success there. Um, in, in terms of the power play for Vegas, um, it was 11th in its expansion year. Um, hasn't really gotten too many chances to like really shine. Like this year they have... Um, they ranked 24th out of 31 teams in chances. Um, in year two, it was 20th. In their first year, it was 15. Um, but this year, they have uh, the ninth best power play at the time of DeBoer, at uh, the time of the DeBoer Gallant uh, coaching swap there. They were clicking at 22.1%. So um, I think the dynamic duo of Patrick and Stone kind of helped with that. Um, the one caution that DeBoer probably needs to clean up is penalties. Yep. Um, Vegas had the 13th fewest penalties taken. 
Um, well, in, in terms of like uh, shorthanded opportunities, they had the 13th fewest in their first year, 10th fewest last year, this year fifth most. So um, I think DeBoer needs to clean up uh, that part of uh, Vegas's act. They need to be a bit more disciplined there. Um, takeaways, they're fine. They've been lethal in that. They've been using their speed. So if they continue to do that, he could have some success. Um, they've also led the hit parade. Carrier and uh, Reeves in particular have been monsters for them. Um, so um, from a physical standpoint, um, that putter, that part of their game um, can force the turnovers and um, help uh, DeBoer's cause in that regard. Um Taking a look at uh, their shots for per game, um, second most last year, second most again this year at the time of the coaching change. Um, they also missed a ton of shots, so um, they were like top 10 in the league and missed shots in all three years of their existence so far. So if they can work on the execution a little bit there and miss fewer shots, that could lead to more goals in the back of the net. Um, they've been a pretty good offensive team for the most part. Um, they've, they're pretty good at, at taking face-offs. It's just winning them at times that's been a struggle. But um, they've had no shortage of opportunities. Uh, they had the fifth most total face-offs last year. Um, they led the league in face-offs uh, this year at the time of the dismissal. Um, and in that miracle run in 2017-18, there were 21-9-7 in one goal game. So some, sometimes it's just grinding out those um, wins and developing uh, good team chemistry and just overall team character. I think if they, have, if they have good team character and they get the leg up on teams and they dictate the pace um, towards the other team's net and just – not succumb to what the other team is doing. Um, I think you're going to see the dominant Vegas Golden Knights. So I think the potential for success is there for for Pierre DeBoer because Gallant has done such a good job with that team where DeBoer is in a good position and he all he needs to do is just develop the player's trust. And if um, if he can if he can get everyone on board, that'd be good. Um, there are, there are a couple of things I would like to see. Uh, from a player standpoint, I think Alex Tuck needs to get going. William Carlson is week-to-week week right now with an injury, but when he comes back, he needs to get going. Um, there are a couple of guys on that team that have been effective for Vegas in the past that haven't been that effective this year um, that I think could really make Vegas um, a team you don't want to play against if they get hot. And um, it needs to be more than Pacioretty and Stone uh, carrying that offense. I think if you have a solid top nine, Vegas is laughing all the way to the bank and they're going to do some damage. Yeah, that's a good point. I think they are better set. Um, they're, they're a better team than the other teams that recently lost their coach. Um, Certainly better than the Sharks, that's for sure. Because the yeah. Sharks, I don't know if you if you know uh, this. Um, Bob Bugner, he's had some success with the Sharks. Has he done better than Peter DeBoer? Not really. No, and some, so... of the, and some of the demons that caused DeBoer to get fired are starting to cost Bob Bugner. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
but I lost my train of thought now, so thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, 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 said, you said something along the lines of. Oh yeah, they're they're in better. better well, I was gonna say. The other yeah, I was gonna far. say um, there are other uh, like they're better set than or better they they are a better team than teams like the Devils, the Sharks, uh, the mm -hmm. Stars, even uh, the Devils. Maybe the maybe not the Maple Leafs, but like or or the Flames, but they are definitely um, in better shape in that regard. So like DeBoer doesn't have to do too much. Um, I will say though that I think Gallant is a better coach than DeBoer. Uh, there is something to be said to like take a inaugural team into the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's not a lot of coaches can do that and Gallant has proved that he can do that and that's something that they'll never take away from him um yeah so. um, i definitely think in that perspective uh, Gallant is definitely um a better coach than DeBoer yeah. because he was able to make something and um out of nothing and turn it into something not just good but something great right and just continue that uh for multiple seasons too yes for sure, and that's kind of my point where I feel like he deserves, even from that regard, uh, he deserves at least some leeway uh, just because of what he was able to do that first season. I know, obviously, like there, you know, you can't, you don't want to give him like a huge long leash on him, but I would at least like give him the end of the season to make to see if he uh, can pull it together again instead of you know just firing him when there's the first sign of trouble uh he deserves yeah. that much at least uh but yeah so i think DeBoer is in better shape uh you know because in a way the the he's also a good coach in his own right the sharks have terrible coaching or ter terrible sorry terrible goaltending um and they still managed to make the playoffs and uh they almost made it to the stanley cup final uh last year so they are also in pretty good shape as well, but like, despite that horrific goaltending, and we soon find out that it's not all his fault. So, um, so I think there is something to that where now Marc Andre Fleury has to step up, Malcolm Subban has to step up, and a lot of the different depth players. Not you know, you mentioned Mark Stone and Pacioretty. Those guys are on fire, but there's also guys like Riley Smith, Paul Stasny. Um, I'm blanking on some players. Jonathan Marchessault. Uh, you know, all those guys, they also have to step it up as well um, in order to, to show that they are actually a pretty good team, um, even without Gerard Gallant, uh, which is something like, you know, I was critical of the Golden Knights before... Um, last season uh or in the summer and that was before the patch trade and now that they have patch and mark stone i think they are in pretty good shape for to be a stanley cup finals contender and i feel like they're the best team in the pacific division even with this coaching change uh so i i do i like if there's any team that recently fired their coach um and is going is expect is going to make this St. Louis Blues type run, it would be the Vegas Golden Knights because they have all the pieces in place to make a run, um, despite losing their coach and uh, and all that stuff. 
Yeah, I, I would say that's a that's a pretty fair assessment there. Um, just uh, taking a look at um, the approach that uh, Pierre DeBoer is going to bring. He mentioned during his opening press conference uh, a few uh, what he calls non-negotiables, and um, they are as follows: um, attack, play north, defend hard, track it back, keep the shift short and be one of those four-line teams. The one good thing about San Jose, defensive flaws aside, they could roll four lines. Yep. All four lines could kill you. And their third line, you could argue, uh, with uh, LeBanc and uh, Thornton, was probably one of the deadliest uh, in all of hockey last year. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to success, what here DeBoer measures success by, um, he goes back to team identity. He wants the Golden Knights to play every single night to their identity. Um, and you take a look at the game against Ottawa. I know, great measuring stick. Uh, go up mm-hmm. against one of the worst teams of the league. But in the first 10 minutes, Ottawa was in trouble. Vegas outchanced them, outshot them. They had, um, I think it was like 30, at least 30 shots or close to 30 shots after two periods like the shot total was like close to two to one um, after 40 minutes of play. And they had ended up uh, getting a 40 to 45 shots on the Sens when it was all said and done. Through the first two periods of that game, even though the score was two to nothing, Vegas really took it to the Sens. Um, Will Carrier was keeping uh, the mood on the uh, bench pretty light. He, uh, he gave Pierre DeBoer some smelling salts to try and everyone had a good laugh on the bench there. Um, they scored the goal, the first goal of the game in the opening minutes, so they were off to a quick start there. Um, they go to Montreal. They're down 4-2 in the third period. Two minutes to go. They score two quick goals and force overtime, and they end up losing the game in a shootout. But they get a point because they were able to dig deep and find a way to get it tied with two goals in less than two minutes. Yeah. So um, there was definitely some good spots um, with Peter DeBoer at the helm that uh, the Golden Knights can build on. What's also going to be interesting is how they uh, even out um, the minutes on the back end. Uh, in the game against Ottawa, Nick Holden led the Golden Knights in ice time with 23 minutes and 49 seconds played. Shea Theodore was second. He played 23 minutes, 45 seconds. And uh, the only other player with over 20 minutes was Brady McNabb. He played 22 minutes and 48 seconds. Yeah, there, there's also some, I mean, there was, it probably was a joke, but I think DeBoer said something along the lines of the first thing that he's going to do to coach them is their penalty killing, um, which is pretty funny <laughs> considering how they, the Golden Knights gave up four goals to Peter DeBoer's Sharks team last year in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, in that famous Game 7. So um, that is... Um, yeah, I think there is something to it in terms of his coaching style that um, that can work well with teams. I uh, will just, I guess it's just one of those things that we'll have to wait and see how it goes. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup Finals or even win the Stanley Cup Finals with uh, this season uh, with uh, Peter yeah. DeBoer. Uh, all right. Uh, where will Gerard Gallant go, and will he be picked up by a team this season or next season? 
Um, there was a report that Jim Montgomery said something along the, or sorry, Jim Neal uh, said something about um, that, like, you know, like there's a reason why uh, Rich Rick Brownis has an interim tag in case there's another coach that comes under fire and it, like Gallant could be that kind of person, but then he later denied ever saying that and he sort of backed Bownis up. Um, so I guess he's not, Gallant's not going to the stars, um, but there was a rumor that he, Gallant could be taken by the Dallas Stars. I don't think he'll necessarily, I feel like it's so late in the game that I don't think he'll be picked up by a team. Um, he is French sounding, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Montreal picks him up. But again, I don't think he actually is French Canadian, so you have to keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think it's a little bit too late, and the fact that there there's been so many teams that's fired their coach that I don't think it'll happen uh, this year. But next season, it could be. Um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, there's no guarantee that he's going to find a job before the start of the yeah. season. Uh, he had one year left on his contract. I'm not sure if it was this year or beyond this year. But um, like I said, like Pierre Laviolette, not in any rush to find a new gig. Uh, he's still going to be getting paid by the Golden Knights for a little bit longer. So um, he has a bit of freedom to find another coaching job. Uh, thing about Gerard Gallant and the French Connection, actually from Summerside PEI, Prince Edward Island. Uh, that okay. is the Maritime Canada. Uh, not too many people speak French there. Uh, so from Oh, it could that, be is what you're saying. From, if, you're, if you're going by um, bilingualism, Gallant is definitely, I don't think he's in that category. However, he does have a connection to Montreal because um, the Canadians have one of their best penalty kills in the NHL under Gerard Gallant when he was an assistant coach with Oh, them. wow. I did not know that. Okay. So um, if if uh, they go on another eight-game losing streak, uh, you never know. Maybe they're tempted and uh, they bring in Gerard Gallant there because uh, they're not going to score. They need to be good on the penalty kill, and they need good defense. And their penalty kill hasn't been really that great this year. So, um, yeah. Hey, you know, if if you're looking to build on speed and, and be better defensively, Golant could be their guy. So that'll be an interesting uh, case to watch. Um, obviously, considering what he was able to do with an expansion team, one wonders if he could do what yeah. he did in Vegas in Seattle in a few years when they're getting going and joining uh, the party of NHL teams. Um, yeah, I was so going to mention Seattle. What happens there? I yeah. was going to mention Seattle. Seattle's in a pretty good position. They got a lot of good uh, coaching candidates at the moment. Um, yeah. That being said, um, uh, not just uh, Seattle. That'd be interested. Not just Montreal. Um, if you're New Jersey, you've got a pretty solid choice. Um, Laviolette and Gallant both being available now. Um, Sean Shapiro is a Stars beat writer that mentioned the Jim Nil stuff. Um, and he went on to say Sean Shapiro did that he's not advocating for this either way um, but it's something that he thinks Jim Nill will at least think about internally even if it ends with nothing beyond internal discussion um, Dallas needs to be a fast team they need to get their offense going I think Galant could help with that um, considering 
he was able to turn Vegas into a game uh, into a team that plays with speed that forces takeaways that's how you generate offense is by forcing the other team to make mistakes make them play to your strengths and there's no greater strength as we've seen from Connor McDavid than speed speed yeah. kills in this league now more than ever so uh Dallas could be an interesting uh, team for sure um I saw a tweet that if uh, the Hawks wanted to keep their legacy alive, maybe they take a crack at Gerard Gallant. Oh, that would Gallant, be an interesting which, one. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think Gerard Gallant's gonna save them from themselves. So that that'll be a tough sell. Uh, if Gallant yeah. has an option, I think there are better ones than Chicago. Um, I think the Detroit Red Wings make the most sense for Gerard Gallant. Um, for those who don't know, Gerard Gallant and Steve Eiserman, who was the Red Wings GM. Uh, played on the Red Wings for eight years. Not just one of those, oh, you know, he was a teammate of the Eisenman's right. for like a year or two. They were teammates for eight years. So if they were a good fit then, the ideal fit for Gallant right now is the Red Wings. Um, they need a guy that cannot just coach the team, but coach the team and develop a young core that's going to become the face of the franchise for years to come. And um, I think Gallant would be a pretty good name to make uh, to make um, the youth of this team really shine. Um, that being said, Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh were buddies on the Avalanche, uh, on the ice, and uh, later in a front office role. And Patrick Waugh still left the Avs because there was a difference of opinions. He wanted, uh, I think, the rumor is he wanted Radulov, who he coached yeah. with the Quebec with the QMJHL's Quebec Ramparts. Really liked the guy. Uh, the ads decide not to get him. He ended up going to Montreal, and um, that apparently might have played a role in Wall leaving the organization. Yeah. Uh, so there's no guarantee that Galant and the Iceman will end in a happy, uh, will end happily either. But um, I certainly think um, for what Detroit needs to become, uh, Gerard Galant can help them get to that next step. There's no guarantee that. He's going to win a Stanley Cup with them, and they're going to become cup contenders with Gallant. Mm -hmm. But I think for Detroit to get to the level they need to be, um, they need someone like Gerard Gallant. Yeah, I'm just looking at all the 31 teams here, and Seattle, I was going to mention Seattle before you, but I had forgotten about that. So Seattle is another option. He has experience with expansion teams. Um, and whatnot. So I think Seattle could make some sense, but if he'd have to wait a bit if he wants to go if he wants to coach right away or even next season. Yeah, um, yeah the uh, Detroit does make some sense, but along the same lines, um, Detroit's not expected to be good even next season. So I'm not sure if he wants to be on a good team. I'm not sure if that makes a ton of sense for him. Um, and I guess, like, I, I don't know if a ton of these teams that I'm about to mention are on interim basis, but San Jose uh, would be interesting for him. So they, like, they, they do a coach swap um, if he was to be on San Jose next year. That would be interesting. Um, maybe, I guess, along the same lines as Detroit, but um, I know Dallas Eakins is uh, in his first year at, in Anaheim, but... 
Um, I could see him maybe going to Anaheim and riding the ship there. Um, or even going to Chicago, that would be an interesting move for them as well. And then lastly, uh, which I kind of hope to see this happen, because I'm not sure if Paul Maurice is a good coach, um, but I think uh, I could see him maybe going to Winnipeg. Um, I think that could be an interesting fit for them. Um, but I think it's one of those things where Paul Maurice also ha- deserves some leash, some leeway, um, in yeah. in Winnipeg to finish the season, so maybe they like if Winnipeg's season ends poorly, maybe then they uh, they replace him in the off season with Gallant. But I think yeah, Winnipeg would be one, yeah. would be my top choice, other than Seattle. Um, right. So yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, 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 that's a, a team I didn't name that I 100 percent agree with. That yeah. Depending on. Where uh, Shevel Dayoff and uh, Jets ownership uh, see the team with Paul Maurice down the road, yeah. um, that could definitely be in play for sure. It depends on how the season goes. For sure. Um, okay, that that about does it for us uh, t- this week on Lace Them Up. Um, you can catch us. I'm going to tweet this tweet this out on uh, Lace Up Podcast. Our, you can also catch us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify. Um, we're also on Facebook as well. I did this in a weird order, I just realized. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 203 of the Lace Em Up podcast. And uh, happy MLK Day.